the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your epic host, Terry Cook, and it's a delight to be speaking to you all today. So today we've got the wonderful Susan McCormack of Try Coaching, who comes on to talk about her career uh, and coaching and in particular try coaching and what the future is and why she believes it's so important but before we get on to that i'm going to ask you all the same favor i've been asking you for a few weeks now what i'd love you to do is head over to the instructorpodcast.com when you get over there go to the feedback section and just answer the four polls there's just four polls you know three or four options that's just going to help me shape the show going forward so I know that what you like about the show, what you dislike, and what your preferences are, and then I can tailor the show more to your line, more to your way of thinking. So, yeah, the instructorpodcast.com. Head over there, answer that feedback section for me. That would be really helpful. But for now, let's make a start on uh, listening to the wonderful Susan McCormack. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and today I am joined by the marvellous Susan McCormack. How are you this morning, Susan? I'm very well, thank you, Terry. How are you? I'm brilliant, thank you, and it's great to have you on board. Uh, and first of all, I'd like to ask everyone just to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and a bit about what you're up to now. Okay, so I am co-managing director with Graham Hooper of Tri Coaching Partnership, and uh, Tri Coaching Partnership has been running for the past 10 years and is most known for the training courses that it delivers to PDIs and ADIs. We set up Tri-Coaching Partnership really because we wanted to bring CPD into the driver training industry in a consistent fashion. And as a part of that process, I developed the BTEC Level 4 professional award in coaching for driver development in partnership with edexcel who are now called pearson and edexcel are an awarding body and they accredited us and put us through the process of being able to write our own course and then have it accredited at a level four by pearson So that's what we've been delivering primarily. And then we've added a lot of other courses over the years. My specific background is I've been an ADI for 34 years and uh, started off at um, BSM, training to be a driving instructor. Having prior to that worked in a pork pies factory for two years um, having prior to that just come out of teacher training college um, and a degree in German and French at Nottingham University, neither of which the degree nor the teacher training did I want to use. So I'd gone disappointedly into a factory and looked around and thought, well, actually being a driving instructor would be a really good way to put my teaching skills into practice because they were rubbish in a classroom with a bunch of kids who didn't want to learn German. (laughs) But I thought, well, I can do this on a one-to-one basis. So I trained to be a driving instructor and then quite quickly 
became a we were called staff instructor in those days employed trainer with BSM delivering intensive part three courses to people and um, I was fully immersed fully immersed in instructor training for 48 weeks of the year I was training people to be driving instructors working in a team of five or six of us all we ever spoke about was how to train people to be driving instructors what a great driving instructor looks like what we should how we should be doing this how we should be managing this so it really was a baptism of fire but it gave me the skills that carried me forwards for the the next several years and I became the research and development manager at BSM and as such wrote training materials courses courses for all aspects of drivers and um worked on the driving simulator at BSM. I am the voice of the simulator. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody would remember the BSM simulator. And eventually became, uh, was made redundant from BSM and went on to work for another driver training school, developed an instructor training course for them, left there and went and did a master's degree in driver behavior and education, which really got me onto the coaching path because driver behavior and education is all about a client-centered, equal non-judgmental relationship so that people can learn most effectively. And then at um, University of East London, I was on a coaching course that was a pilot I met Graham Hooper there and John Farlam. And a year later, the three of us decided to set up Tri Coaching Partnership. So that's where we are now. That's fascinating because I think that whole journey is, but I love talking to ADIs and listening to their journey, but I loved yours, how, you know, how the transformation, how you've linked one to another. And I think that's interesting because that's, that's something I did personally when, when I became um, a driving instructor at the, well, initially I was working at McDonald's uh, and I was yeah. running some stores over there. And, and the thing that always clicked for me was I hated working with, maybe hated is a bit strong, but I disliked working with the large groups of people. I always yeah. liked working one-on-one yeah. and training one-on-one. And it was, well, where can I do? And I used to wrap my brains, where can I train one-on-one? And it's that driving instructor. We don't get more one-on-one than that when you sat in a no. car. no. Um, I think specifically for me, actually, Terry, that reminded me that when I trained to be a driving instructor, it was at BSM and I did this same intensive course that I was then subsequently delivering. And we were in classrooms and there was a female manager and she was delivering the classroom. And I looked at her and I thought, that's the job I want. So actually, when I became a driving instructor, I didn't enjoy it very much. (laughs) I didn't didn't enjoy teaching learners. In particular, though, it was because I didn't enjoy the self-employment personally. I didn't enjoy the downtime in between. I would go home and I would cook dinner and I would eat half of it. And then I'd have to, before it was dinner time, and then I'd have to go out and do lessons again and then come back and have my dinner and it was um, it was really disruptive to my system, so I was very pleased to be employed and working on a um, you know a full time basis. 
and Sorry, in the classroom. Right. Did, did that change or did you come back to the uh, being a, an instructor in that sense or did you never return to it in that that, that environment? I then um, so I did initially two years on the road as an instructor then we weren't allowed to teach learners when we were training people to be driving instructors at BSM but because we were employed and we'd be taking away you know from the self-employed driving instructors business and I did come back to it after I was made redundant at BSM I went back to learners and it was with those learners that I really really practiced my coaching and client-centered learning skills I deliberately and consciously put them into practice that I only really I hadn't got a lot of stamina insofar as I could only manage three two-hour lessons maximum a day and most and and I wasn't working every day either so I did come back to learners but it was for about three years and when you came back did you enjoy that more because I know you said when you first did you found the, the struggle you know with the breaks and the self-employed stuff when you came back for the those next year did you find it more enjoyable then because things had changed I, or I found it massively more enjoyable I was so young and inexperienced you know I not the age doesn't matter I was 24 when I first became a driving instructor but the age it's not the age it was just that I was inexperienced and driver training is boring if you are just telling them what to do and getting them through the tech ready for their test in my opinion you know I understand that everybody is different but what I found so much more interesting and rewarding from a job point of view um, was this client-centered relationship where I fully engaged the pupil in their learning and the conversations that we had the enjoyment that they got out of it I mean in the olden days (laughs) I can remember a pupil almost nodding off whilst I'm giving them a briefing (laughs) And I'm going and I'm feeling really, really irritated because she's closing her eyes and not listening to me. So I'm raising my voice to try and jolt her out of her sleep. (laughs) Are you listening? Whereas then what I understood was that was entirely my fault. I really should have gauged it better, judged it better. Not everybody can learn from a briefing. And so I should have just turned around and had the wherewithal to be able to say, I'm really sorry. This isn't working for you. Let's go and try something different. Yeah. And it's something I've learned recently in that, like you said, it's not their job to engage with you. It's our job to get them engaged. And I think that... Some people make it easy. You know, you'll get some learners that come in and they're just engaged straight away. Almost of anything yeah. you do, you can do no wrong sometimes and others yeah. take work. And it yeah. is tiring sometimes. But in an odd way, one of the weird things that's helped me with that is this podcast because I'm doing these one-on-one interviews with you guys. And it's like, if I ever get, this isn't the best term, so forgive me, but if I ever get like a bad guest, a guest that's not responsive, well, that's not their fault, it's mine. I'm not getting yeah. the best out of them. If I ever yeah. produce an episode that's not very good well that's on me not the guest yes to me to get the best out of that as possible and i say weird way that's helped with my learners and 
I definitely want to come on to that, but before we go down that road any any further, I do just want to ask, because I know you've said you've been in the industry, I think you said 34 years. Yeah. I'm interested to just to hear what what changes or how you think the industry's changed over that period, with sort of the significant differences. I think the significant differences are possibly, I might change my mind on this, uh, test-driven, test-driven. So either the L-test or parts one, two, and three. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think that the significant differences are all test-driven. So the changes to the driving tests, in 1996, I think it was, the theory test was introduced. That changed such a lot of things. So in driver training, you saw theory test training classes jumping up all over the place. People believed that this was going to be really necessary for all learners to have theory test training. I wrote courses to um, for learner drivers in theory test you know, questions and things like that. Um, <clears throat> then we had hazard perception test. I think that was 2004 came in. That was massive, massive for everybody. So the theory test initially was paper-based. Then it became obviously digital online. And then they brought in the hazard perception test. And I can remember... Trevor Wedge became subsequently the chief driving examiner at the DSA, but as they were called at the time, Driving Standards Agency. But part of the reason that he grew in his credibility and rose up through the ranks at the DSA was because he was responsible for developing, not developing, but working on the hazard perception test. And he introduced that. But of course, when ADIs had to take the hazard perception test, not just the PDIs, but the ADIs, when we all had to take our hazard perception test, that was quite frightening for everybody. So that was a huge, huge change that changed the driver training. So I think the, the knock-on effect always of the test-driven significant changes, of course, is that it changes the driver training. And then, and it's not cynicism at all, it's the way of the world that then improves the driver training, that raises standards. And so I understand that any changes that have been introduced in the driving test are actually, ironically, more for driving instructors than for learner drivers, <laughs> because it raises the standards. So when we had, um, what did we have then? We had Parallel Park, that was, that was introduced. Um, then we went to two out of four manoeuvres. Then the driving test changed again with um, whatever her name was. I can't remember her name at the D DVSA. I think they were even by then where we had the controversial pull up on the right and reverse. Brilliant little manoeuvre. Um, prior to that, of course, we've had sat nav and independent driving, which was one of the biggest things because I'm really into the goals for driver education. And for those people listening who know this, sat nav and independent driving is on level three. 
And when we had that introduced into the driving test, that moved us into addressing the higher levels of the goals for driver education as a part of driver training, which was absolutely the best thing that we could do. Unfortunately, some driving instructors have their independent driving lesson, which is all around what you will be doing on your test. So a test focus but many driving instructors have really been able to go, well, let's let's program the sat nav and get us from A to B and see how you get on with it. And uh, or you put in a postcode that you want to go to and see if you can follow the sat nav. I'll help you with the visuals if you only want to focus on the audios. And, you know, it's so everything is test driven, I would think, yeah. in terms of bringing about improvements. And they're all improvements in driver training. How? Because I've not been in the industry that that long. Uh, I keep losing track. Either five or six years. But um, okay. how do you think that ADIs, I suppose, in particular ADIs, have handled those changes? Because obviously, over the last few years, especially with lockdown, there's been a lot more stuff on social media. It's, it's how we've a lot of us have kept in touch over the last couple of years. But it's meant that we've seen a lot more of people, and there's a massive negative side to that. So a lot of what I see is the the arguing over the changes. So why should why should we change things? You know, this this newfangled way of doing stuff. But um, again, that's just the the one side I'm seeing. So how do you think ADIs have handled those changes over the years? Okay, so the standards check was brought in instead of the check test in April 2014. And then off the back of that, the part three changed in December in 2017. Now, when Graham Hooper and I were going around the country delivering standards check training, so we knew eight months before the date of the change, April 2014, we knew that the DVSA were going to be changing and introducing a new standards check. And it wasn't actually difficult to work out what roughly that would be because we'd got the DVSA national standards. We'd had the driver and rider training standard for a long time. Well, not a long, long, long time, but a long time. And we'd had um, the likes of the Merit Report and the Hermes Report from Europe. So we absolutely knew what was going to be in the, the new standards check, more or less. And we were delivering standards check training. And many people, individuals on social media were outraged that Tri-Coaching Partnership could be running around making money out of delivering standards check training. And in actual fact, a lot of what we did was free workshops in the evening and then a paid for um, training day the following day if people chose to pay for that. But we had a lot of people on the free workshops as well. Now, in those days, when we delivered the standards check training, the level of knowledge was nothing compared to what it is now. And if you spoke about uh, goal setting and risk management, for example, back then, people had no idea what, what we were talking about. So we have seen huge changes in people's knowledge and understanding. Some people may have been dragged kicking and screaming, uh, but this is why standards are set, and that's the DVSA's job. And I'm not even, you know, there's no, I'm not commenting really on that at all. The Driver and Vehicle Standards 
agency is responsible for setting and maintaining standards across all all the tests, all categories of driving. So they make the decision about grade A, grade B or fail. They make that decision. Why would I waste any of my energy arguing or fighting against that? It's not something that I believe in or, or would be interested in. Um, but I think that helps people if you can let go of things that you can't control and just work on the things that are in your control, like improving yourself, developing yourself, then you've got, then you feel a lot happier. Really. Yeah, definitely. And it always amuses me, like you mentioned then about um, having the audacity to charge people, you know, it always amuses me. It's like, why don't you do everything for free? So I think yeah. this is downright wrong of you. Um, yeah. Like I'm a driving instructor and all my lessons are for free. Yeah. But no, we should all just be helping each other. But again, it, it does amuse me because I see a lot of, I mean, try coaching do it. And I think, are this podcasts free, for example? You know, people yes. can yes. gather a lot of stuff for free. And I, I think <clears> the great <throat> thing about that is it then gives you the opportunity to pick and choose. So you might, yes. you could potentially listen to all these podcasts and think, who do I want to go and gain extra training from? And then you can listen to all this free stuff. think I want to go and pay them. And yeah. I think that's where the balance works really well. But yes. Um, yes. coming on to TriCoach, as, as we were mentioning then, um, you said at the beginning that sort of one of the founding mm-hmm. ideas behind it was you wanted to deliver or offer at least consistent CPD for, for yes. driving instructors. <clears throat> why? What, what was the thinking behind that? Why did you consider that important at the time? And, and why is it still important now, potentially? Because not just because I'd done a master's degree in driver behavior and education, but it was confirmed through that. There are so many different statistics. Now, we know that one in five newly qualified drivers is is involved in a serious crash within the first 250 miles of driving once they pass the driving test. That, And we know that that is so extremely disproportionate to the you know the number of license holders in the country and the proportion of license holders that are newly qualified drivers so we know that that's a ridiculous statistic we also know that the frontal lobe in a young adult doesn't develop fully it goes through a whole new spurt of regrowth and regeneration between the ages of 17 to 25 And we also know that statistically, people are inexperienced for two years once they pass the driving test. And what inexperienced means is their crash risk is much higher. And that is linked statistically to the frontal lobe development because the frontal lobe is responsible for executive decisions like judgment and decision making being able to multitask, being able to emerge from a junction and choose a safe gap when it's pouring down with rain and it's rush hour traffic is a hugely um, demanding task for the brain to cope with. And then coordinating your feet to move into that gap and accelerating to pick up speed once you've selected that gap is a massively demanding task that an inexperienced driver cannot manage as effectively as an experienced driver. 
What we also know is that linked with this frontal lobe development is virtual learning. And there is a real use it or lose it thing about the synapse, the neuro thingy thingies, you know, transmitters and putting down new new neuro pathways in the brain. There's a whole use it or lose it, but that the brain is so responsive to virtual learning that it that if you go imagine what would happen if let's create this scenario if you do that pre-test around post-test stuff you hugely accelerate their development and help them make safer choices and decisions once they're out driving on their own so in what we do in driver training at the historically is we get them ready for a driving test and of course that's a goal and that's very very important but that driving test will be much more easily prepared for if the pupil has their real life context in mind always if the pupil always knows how they're going to be applying that driving and what their motivation is and understands what their strengths and weaknesses are and limitations are and knows what their propensity is to peer pressure, to succumb to peer pressure or uh, to become aggressive um, or to be overly cautious um, or when they're tired how their visual search skills might diminish. Self-awareness is key to it all and absolutely critical, and that accelerates learning. So it's rather a long-winded answer, but it is all based on road safety. it It is an understanding and a belief that because we know that learning comes from within, if we can work with people on an equal basis, non-judgmental, have the rapport in place that they trust us to be able to express how they think and feel, then we will produce safer, more responsible road users once they pass the driving test. And that's what we wanted to do with CPD, Terry. <laughs> uh. So we're just taking a slight pause in the show for a moment. First of all, to give a little shout out to the latest person to subscribe to the Instructor Podcast Premium, which is Nuno Gomez. Uh, Nuno messaged me a little while ago and just saying how much he was enjoying the show, which is great. I love it when you guys get in touch with me and let me know what you like and what you don't like, what you'd like me to change, etc. But he discovered it, started working his way through it, and then it was... uh, I love a little treat to see that it's signed up to the Instructor Podcast Premium. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Nuno Gomez, and thank you for joining. It's great to have you on board. If you would like to either join or find out more about the Instructor Podcast Premium, the best place to go is the website, which is www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Over there, you've got loads of stuff. So there's blogs over there. There's there's um, recommendations. There's all the back catalog of episodes. So there's all that kind of good stuff, as well as access to the guests, including today's guest, Susan McCormack, where you can find links for them over there. 
but you can also go and check out premium and you can see all of the wonderful resources and wonderful bonus content that we're putting on for you as well as the uh, the wonderful content over there there is also a whopping £10 discount on Bob Martin's client-centered learning training course. Um, so yeah, if you sign up to Instructor Podcast Premium, which costs £10 a month, you will get a £10 discount of Bob Martin's client-centered learning.co.uk. Kind of making it free, really. Either way, go check it out. But for now, let's uh, let's get back to Susan McCormack. How much of an impact do you think you've had? Because I know you've obviously had an impact on the individuals that have come to you, but sort of overall, because do you think that there's people that are out there that maybe don't use try coaching because it's not for them, but will go somewhere else because they've seen your messages or they're just taking some of the free information on board? So how much of an impact overall do you think you've had? That is so, so difficult to gauge because you said not just on the individuals, uh, and yet I think it is from the individuals that we can gain, you know, a view of the influence we've had. I think the influence we've had over the past 10 years has been phenomenal. However, there are still loads of people that have never heard of us. But then there are loads of people that have never heard of associations or never heard of msa never heard of the dia it's amazing you know you can come to be a driving instructor in this industry but because of the culture that you're living in the environment the situation the context you might never have any idea of these other influences outside of your individual driver training business so we have had a major major influence but really, I can only go on individuals. Um, and so we have grown to such an extent that we have 30 trainers who are on license with us. So they're still self-employed and they're still independent, but they're part of our family. And they are dotted around all over the country. And each of those in their own right has a huge influence because their skills have been so improved and developed over the over the years that they've been on our courses and and with us and then we've had you know it's probably still only a couple of thousand or people on our courses you sort of lose count really three thousand people on our courses but it's that's a lot that's ten percent it's not is it well, just shy of 10%. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. My maths went out the window <laughs> there. You know, so that's quite a there's quite a large influence. And then I think on an individual basis, the in the influence in some respects is absolutely immeasurable because it is so immense. We change people's lives. My life has changed uh, you know, absolutely. And I know that the people I speak to who've been on the BTEP for and gone on to do other courses with us will tell us that their lives have changed immeasurably. I think one thing I would like to ask is your opinion on here is you mentioned there about the um, the people aren't aware of tri-coaching. They're almost in their own little bubble sometimes. And you look at what's out there for instructors, whether it's podcasts or tri-coaching and Facebook groups and webinars and emailing lists and associate. There's all this stuff 
but yet there's still people that aren't being reached. How how can we reach them? Do you think? Do you think it, a lot of it is them specifically taken away from it? I know this is guesswork, but specifically taking themselves away from it, or do you think it's just they're not aware of it? And if they're not aware of it, how do we reach them? Well, I think. See, I'd, I've probably changed quite a lot about this, each to their own, basically. If you decide to become a driving instructor, many people have come from some kind of disappointment when they decide to become a driving instructor. It's, you know, made redundant or don't like the job, left the job or haven't got work or whatever. But there's a lot of people come from disappointment uh, or a lack of money and they need more money there's a lot of people who have never been on social media who absolutely understand that it is not for them there's many people still don't even own a television you know <laughs> let alone a computer but they want to go out there and have their influence on teaching people to drive. They can't deal with the DVSA either. They just want to be on their own. And, and I think, I don't know how many people are like that, but each to their own. Yeah. So no. I'm not worried about reaching them. They People will find us, including podcasts or, or whatever it is, people who want to share what they know and understand, people will find us if that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it sometimes is about consequences. You know, I speak about this with, with my learners a lot. You know, technically, you can do 40 miles an hour in a 30 zone. It's illegal, you know, but you have that decision to make. Are you going to go above 30? That's your choice. If you go above 30, well, you have to deal with the consequences, which could be resulting in an accident or, a, you know, fatality or it could be getting pulled by the police you know these are the consequences you potentially suffer if you break this particular law and that's your choice to make and it's almost the same for us as driving instructors you know i've got a choice to make do i uh enlist in some form of cpd do i ignore everything do i try and train for the way that the dvsa wants me to work or do i just go on off and do my own thing and hopefully just wing it on a sanders check whichever decision i take there i the consequences of that are mine and i think it's it's important to look at that and like i said it's each of their own if someone genuinely doesn't want to invest in cpd that's up to up to them but they then need to deal with the ramifications of that i think so yeah i think you're probably right there um, but just to add to that terry it's we always have to remember that some people can do this entirely on their own yeah some people have that ability yeah other people need to reach out for help and support but it depends on the quality of the help and the support that they find if that help and support is so telling, it can create a clash in their brain and they either reject it or can't process or ab and absorb it and end up doing really badly on standards checks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, everybody is different and it is really, really difficult to have a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah. And in fact, just kind of on that, if anyone was listening to this podcast now and, and they're hearing of tri-coaching for the first time, 
and they're thinking they want to dip their toe in the water. They want to come and, and check out Tri Coaching. Is there a, like a, a course you would recommend they start with, or would it be tailored to what they specifically need? Is there a course that they specifically want to go on? I think that most people would probably want to start with a standards check workshop because it's only four hours, 11 till three on Zoom. And it will help them focus on how to deliver a great driving lesson. It's not so much how to get through the standards check. It's more how to deliver a great driving lesson that gives value for money where learning takes place and you understand how to keep the car safe. Practice, practice, practice. And you will do well on your standards check. If people start on that kind of course, then they'll they'll get the bug really the try coaching bug and decide that they want to go further but we also do offer one-to-one sessions because some people really don't feel that they want to come online they don't know what it's going to be like in a group atmosphere even though our zoom presentations are really very relaxed very chilled we've got experienced presenters delivering the courses and people are not picked on and people don't get isolated and the spotlight put on them. But some people prefer the one-to-one sessions, which, of course, now that we're out of COVID, we can do again. Just um, just before I move on from that, uh, and, and just for anyone listening, uh, Susan hasn't asked me to say what I'm about to say, but I've uh, signed up for the, the, the BTEC Level 4 with Try Coaching, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. I find it really beneficial, but rather than the actual content which is great by the way the the thing i was nervous about was coming on these zoom calls with other instructors because i'm the sort of person that always assumes that i'm not as good as anyone else that's where my brain goes immediately and that's something i'm working on but that's another story so but it's such a it's such a wonderful group you know the way you put it together is brilliant the way you interact with people is brilliant the the trainers that come on and do it you know your guys are are phenomenal and the support because I've genuinely struggled um, with the assignments simply through the time to do it. And the support that you guys are giving me away from that has been phenomenal. You put me at ease with that as well. And there has literally been no stress, no pressure. It's on, it's been completely at my pace. It's not like, right, do this, do this, do this. It's just been an absolute pleasure and it's definitely helped me so the very least for anyone listening i would say go and check out try coaching but that that's my little plug for you guys anyway thank you very much for that because i think it is the btec level four is entirely your qualification we don't want to police it we just want to support you and that that's the important thing to remember about it so it is really something that you should enjoy the process really enjoy it because that's where your learning takes place yeah and it's one of those it it challenges people's thinking which you can imagine maybe some people struggle with because when you challenge someone's way of thinking and i'm not aggressively challenged question i suppose someone's way of thinking it it can you know people react differently to that the way i've reacted to it is yeah, there's not just this way, there's this way and this way. So I'm going to go see what happens when I do this year, my student. And it doesn't always work, but it's that little bit of play in it. It's that little bit of almost a trial and error. See what works here, see what works here. And just adapting it for each student. But but yeah, no, uh, really enjoying it. Definitely go check it out. Good. But Good. I want to ask you now about tri-coaching, what the future is. Um, where do you see tri-coaching going, going? What's your long-term plans for it? 
Okay, so I'm not exactly sure what the long-term plans are, but I do know that we have developed amazing skills ourselves over the last 10 years. And we understand so much more about how people learn, how the brain works, psychology, coaching in particular, but it's only a label. And we are taking that outside of the industry. And we have just had a course accredited called Excellence in Coaching, which is an eight-day coaching course for people who want to become a coach. So they want to set themselves up as a coach in their own coaching business. At the moment, our target audience is still driving instructors, of course, and we will continue to run all our courses from Try Coaching alongside this Excellence in Coaching course. So our target audience is driving instructors, and we feel that there would be many driving instructors who actually would love the idea of another sideline business that um, is fully coaching. So for, uh, for me, what I love about it is we get to look at pure coaching. Whereas in driver training, it's coaching in a safety critical environment. And we always have to manage the risk. And people cannot learn to drive sitting at home in their armchair. So they have to learn in that dangerous or safety critical environment, which means you can't always be coaching. Where And a lot of what you're teaching, of course, is technical. So even though we loosely use the word coaching, unless we are actually focusing on the underpinning motivations to somebody's behavior, their thoughts and feelings, and focusing on raising self-awareness and building emotional intelligence, unless we're actually doing that, we're not coaching. So this is an excellent opportunity to look at real coaching and to help people identify a business coaching niche that they want to move into to give them the information and knowledge that they need about how to set up their own business, how to market it, how to advertise. And then most of the focus is on developing their skills. So the 10 people who've just been on the course and completed it are all driving instructors, but they are all people who are wanting to set up a business, a coaching business in their own specific niche, which might be life coaching, <clears throat> um, bereavement coaching, um, finance coaching, all, kind, all kinds of things. So do you think that could be something that even if, for example, myself as a driving instructor didn't want to go off and set up a new coaching line, do you think that that course could still be beneficial for me as an instructor to apply to, to my coaching methods in a lesson? It would certainly upskill you. However, it costs money. Yeah. And so therefore, my advice would be BTEP for train the trainer those courses, presentation skills, <clears throat> those courses will all help upskill you. So presentation skills is a standalone two-day course that is very, very good at improving your ability to show up 
and engage with on an equal non-judgmental basis with all your customers. It is also the final part of the Excellence in Coaching course because it is an integral part of building your own coaching niche. So it sits in both camps. Is at the risk of putting you on the spot here, um, have you got any ideas what's beyond that? Because you said about maybe taking it, and uh, I know it's always going to be stay within the industry, try coaching, but maybe branch out away from that. Is there anything else in the pipeline? Have you got any, not necessarily specifics, but have you got any ideas what you're going to be doing go forward? Or is I think Tri Coaching Partnership is going to become renowned for coaching, right, right across every you know across any kind of industry, so. Our niche market, our niche market has always been driver training. But in in doing that, because I write courses, I've gained, I've then gained the skills to be able to develop a course, a program that will get us right outside of the industry. So internationally as well, we are part of, we've been accredited by the International Authority for Professional Coaching and Mentoring, IAPC and M. And as a result of that, Graham and I are both accredited, um, can't remember what we are, accredited fellow coaches and accredited fellow men- mentors. And what we understand is that coaching generally is unregulated. Anybody could set themselves up as a coach. So what we offer to people who come on this programme is that not only do they gain the qualification, which is an equivalent level five in coaching, in excellence in coaching, our course, but they also have the opportunity to go on to become an accredited practitioner coach with the IAPCNM individually in their own right, which is huge when people are searching for coaches to be able to have that accreditation. So I think we're going to continue to work with the IAPCNM, who, like I say, are international, international authority, and uh, just continue to grow and develop coaching generally. Excellent. And the last thing I want to touch on, I know I probably do a whole episode on this, but I think it's worth noting because what we've been speaking about, you mentioned there about the difference between pure coaching and coaching in a safety critical environment. I think that that message and I know you guys do this brilliantly, by the way, but I think that message isn't getting across very well. Not from you guys, but I mean on the whole, because you know when you, you go online or you speak to people at Tessa and are over-instructors, and there's this idea that we can't coach because, you know, we're in a moving car and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, well, that's not what anyone's saying. You know, we're not saying you can't say don't crash into that bus. You know, we're saying that, you know, you maybe do more coaching while you pull up outside at road and there's a time for instruction and it's not when your student's about to swerve into a parked car, you know, and I think that that's what a lot of people miss. So would you agree with what I've said there or? Uh, yes, I would, Terry. And I think that one of the best things about the BTEC Level 4 is that we look at giving you the knowledge and information that you need to fight your corner against the people who go, oh, coach, coach, yeah, that's not coaching. The thing that I always say is I don't care about labels. 
<laughs> I don't care whether you want to call yourself a driving instructor, a coach, a mentor, a tutor, a trainer, a teacher. I don't care whether you want to use that word coaching, instructing, mentoring, but understand what you mean by it when you use it. When we teach people to drive, the main thing we have to do, and I use the word have to loosely, <laughs> obviously not, the main thing we have to do is raise awareness and build responsibility. Raising awareness means raising their self-awareness so that they are aware of how their thoughts and their feelings motivate their behavior. They are aware of how they react when they feel angry, upset, frightened, scared, because we know that crashes happen for emotional reasons, not through technical failure. So therefore, we're building at the same time their responsibility because they're going they walk out of the house in the morning and they turn around and walk back into the house because they suddenly look at themselves, do a body scan, mind body scan and go, I'm not fit to drive today for whatever reason. And the responsibility is I'm going to go back in the house because that is a lethal weapon that I'm driving. So. Raising awareness and building responsibility happens to be how I define coaching. So when I'm then coaching my learner driver, if I was teaching learners, and I have, you know, taught a couple of learners over the years, even though I don't formally teach them anymore, or driver trainer, PDIs, driving, trainee driving instructors, or qualified driving instructors, I have a coaching conversation where I am focusing on what they want to achieve, what they, how they feel at the moment. So I'm talking myself through the GROW model a little bit, how they're feeling, though, most importantly, how they are feeling, as well as what current skills they have, what options they can think of or come up with as to how they would like to do this and how else could they do it and how else could they do it depending on who I'm having the conversation with, and then a summary of the way forward, then we'd get the car moving. And then actually I'm in instruct mode, depending on how you define it. The umbrella is still coaching because overall I'm raising their awareness and building their responsibility. But my job is to keep the car safe and only speak to them as much as already been agreed so they can focus on the goal and I can manage the risk. And even if I'm being a driver trainer, um, training driving instructors, and I'm sitting in the driving seat, playing the role of the pupil, I'm still a trainer. So it's still my job to manage the risk so that the PDI or ADI can achieve their goal. And that's what it comes down to every time. So I'm not interested in labels. Um, but the BTEP4 does help you gain a depth of knowledge and understanding about the differences between coaching and instruction, coaching in a safety critical environment, um, and the purpose of raising awareness and building responsibility. I uh, 
I genuinely love the passion that answer. That was brilliant. Um, <laughs> and and let, let's see if you can put the same passion into this one. Do you want to take a moment to tell us um, where people can find you, where they can find Tri Coaching, and anything else you'd like to promote? Okay, so you can find us on www.tri-coachingpartnership.co.uk. That's our main website. If you are interested in excellence in coaching, if you are interested in or curious about becoming a coach, a different business, branching into a different business, then visit the website www.coachex.co.uk. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says book a discovery call. Click on there and book a discovery call with Graham Hooper, which will be on Zoom. And he will listen to what you are curious about, what it is that you are interested in. With no obligation, he will help you decide if you would like to take this forwards and become a coach. You can ring 0800 058 8009. That number takes you through to Sarah. And Sarah can direct you to me or to Graham or answer your queries directly herself. You can find us on Facebook. We have Tri Coaching Partnership Group. That is an open group. Anybody can join it. If you're not already in it, please come along and join it. And as a result of joining that group, we can help you join any of any of the others of our groups that you're interested in. So that's Tri Coaching Partnership. It's always TRI hyphen Coaching Partnership. Brilliant. All those links will be in the show notes uh, and also on the Instructor Podcast website, which is theinstructorpodcast.com. And if you are over there, do me a little favour and just go and click on the feedback page and just answer the four polls that are on there about the podcast. So when we do come back with season three next year, we can tail the show even more to your way of liking. But uh, for now, I just want to say a big thank you for to Susan McCormack for joining me on the show. How have you found the show? Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Terry. Thank you very much. Great. And uh, thank you for giving up your time and, uh, and answering some questions and imparting some wisdom. You're very welcome. So a big thank you to Susan McCormack for joining us. It's It was a pleasure speaking to her. I love hearing people's journeys the kind of the adventure or the road if you excuse a pun that, that that they took to become a driving instructor i think it's it's fascinating because i think everyone's got their own little different story if you want to share yours please let me know it's something i'm fascinated by it's also great hearing what's coming up for tri coaching tri coaching is one of if not the biggest training provider for our industry and it's just fascinating for me hearing that they're now taking it uh, almost away from the industry. I know that, that they're always going to have one foot in it, but it's interesting for me to see where they're going. And I think that there's a an exciting future there. I'm also just going to give you a little reminder. I would really, really love it. You can go and give me some feedback over the instructorpodcast.com. Now, that's not leaving me a review, although you're welcome to go leave me a review, especially if you leave me a five-star one. But it's not leaving me a review. It's just going over there and putting some feedback onto my website uh, answering the four polls so that I know essentially what you want from the show, what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. You can leave me some written feedback over there, which helps me 
sort of get even more detail of what you want from the show. But I'd love it if you could just go over and answer the four polls. That's theinstructorpodcast.com. While you're over there, also, go and check out the premium section. You can have a look at all the wonderful resources we've got over there, including, as I mentioned previously, the £10 discount for Bob Morton's client-centered learning. On top of that, we've got TES Talks, which are essentially presentations by experts. So we've got a couple over there now, which is um, how to create content for a course you might be creating. We've got a recent one by a world-class copywriter, Mark Kingston, who... Uh, speaks about how to use stories both in your driving lessons and when you're marketing. So I've got some wonderful TES Talks out there. Uh, we've got other things, including alternative routes, which is taking a different approach to the way you might handle your business, and standards check checklists, which is breaking down the standards check checklist and looking at each competency individually and seeing what it actually means and getting into the nitty-gritty behind it. There's all kinds of other stuff over there as well, so head over to theinstructorpodcast.com, go fill in the feedback section for me, and have a little nose at the premium section as well. £10 a month, you can't go wrong. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So you're clearly still listening to the Instructor Podcast, which means you're a person of very wise choices. Uh, another person of wise choices, potentially, Susan McCormack, who was talking about to answer the, the seven quickfire questions. Thank you for hanging about, Susan. You're very welcome, Terry. Off you go. Okay, first one, dog or cat? Dog. Okay, uh, good choice. What's your favourite book of all time? At the moment, The Celestine Prophecy. Okay, I'll add that to the list. Would you ever consider going vegan? No, vegetarian, yes, not vegan. What's your favourite film of all time? Oh, The Green Mile, possibly. Good show. When you were teaching, um, what did you refer to your students as? Was it students, learners, customers, pupils? Usually learners and pupils. Okay. What's the proudest achievement you've you've got, your proudest achievement in life? At the moment, writing this excellence in coaching programme because it is the culmination of everything that I've ever done. And then the last question, what's going to be one goal you want to achieve going forward? To be happy. <laughs> That's a brilliant goal. Brilliant goal. <laughs> All right, thank you for hanging about an extra couple of minutes. Sir. Thank you.